Thank you for streaming the audio messages of the Fountain Church. Well, listen, if you're a first-time guest, we're so grateful that you're here this morning. You picked a great day to come because we're diving into a brand new series entitled Light, Seeing Christmas Clearly. Now, I'm really excited about this series, and I'm, I'm hoping that you guys are pumped up because we're going to dive in. I believe God has a... Um, I believe God wants to do something on the inside of us today. I believe he's already doing some things on the inside of us. Uh, but I, I want to pray for us. And, uh, but I, I want to start with the scripture before we pray. And it's found in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. And this scripture, you can bring it on the board for me. Um, this scripture is really kind of, a, just kind of a theme verse for us as we navigate through the series. And it, it says, this is the message version. And Paul's writing to the church of Ephesus. And he says, I ask. Ask the God of our master, Jesus Christ, the God of glory, to make you intelligent and discerning in knowing him personally. Now lean into this right here. Your eyes focused and clear so that you can see exactly what he's calling you to do. Grasp the immensity of his glorious way of life he has for Christians. Oh, the utter extravagance of his work in us who trust in him. Endless energy and boundless strength. Come on, somebody. Could you use some endless energy and some boundless strength? You alive, second service? Here we go. Here we go. I want to speak to you today from the subject of a new light. A new light. Look at your neighbor and say, a new light. A new light. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray this would not just be another service, another religious routine, um, just because the Christmas season is ramping up that wouldn't feel obligated to be in your house. God, I pray that um, you would come, Holy Spirit, and that today would be a demonstration of your Spirit's power. It's a very simple message. But, Lord, I, I haven't come with persuasive words, but rather I'm praying and crying out for a demonstration of your Spirit's power in our life. Um, because, Lord, one moment in your presence can change everything. So we surrender our time to you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Uh, how many of you guys like a good movie? Anybody like a good movie? This is a hot time for movies to be released because a lot of people are watching movies during uh, the Christmas season. Um, but there was a poll that was done recently, and they were trying to narrow down the top three Christmas movies. So they took a collection of about 50 movies, and they did a poll, and they narrowed it down to three. Now, you probably have, um, you probably have seen some of these. Some of you guys have seen them a multiplicity of times. But I'm not going to leave you in suspense, so let me show you what they are. And the first one is Home Alone. Actually, let me scratch that. It's a Wonderful Life. Anybody ever see It's a Wonderful Life? Oh, if you have not seen that, you are not saved. Uh, a Christmas Story. You'll shoot your eye out. Now, the one that actually, the third one that made the poll was National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. But I thought, no way. There's no way that beat out Home Alone. And this is the sermon I'm preaching. So I scratched that one. And I said, Home Alone is definitely... A Christmas classic. Now, now these are amazing. I, we love these movies. We've watched them. Many of us grew up watching these movies. They kind of bring back a sense of nostalgia, memories. Uh, these movies work great in the background during festivities, don't they? Like you're, you're cooking or you're cleaning, hanging out, and Home Alone's just playing in the background. You have the music, and it's pretty awesome. In fact, some of us may watch these every single year, but... I bet we watch them with a little less interest because we, we know the story. We, we've seen it over and over and over. But 
there's certain parts where we really tune in because they're our favorite parts, and then we kind of tune out because, oh, we know what's going to happen here. It's not very exciting. Like Home Alone, as soon as the burglars hit the house, it's on. Like, <laughs> you want to fast forward the movie right to that spot, don't we? But they're great in the background, but I don't think we watch them with as much interest as we did the first time. Now, let me show you another movie. It's called A Beautiful Mind. A Beautiful Mind. Now, this is a movie, uh, it's not a Christmas movie, but it's a movie about a schizophrenic genius that when you get to the end of the movie, you think that you have got it figured out. And then the director does one of those things that reminds you that you thought you had it all figured out, but you really didn't have it all figured out, so you have to go back and watch it again. And when you go back and watch it again, you see the same storyline, but you see it in a brand new light. It blows my mind that some of these movies you have to watch two, three times, and you're seeing these different nuances pop up here and pop up there. And I believe the Christmas story, not the one with Ralphie, but the one found in the Bible, I believe that the Christmas story many times can fall into a Home Alone category. It's a story that whether you're a follower of Jesus or you're not a follower of Jesus, it's just kind of familiar it's, it's, it's a story that during Christmas time we kind of pull out that chapter in the Bible and, and sometimes don't even look through it. Sometimes we just have it open to that chapter on, on maybe our table or we, we set up a little nativity scene. But because the story is so familiar many times, many times, uh, it can almost be like a backdrop in light of the rest of our festivities. That we really don't pay attention or lean into the story with as much interest as we did the first time. Because we're kind of familiar. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus, maybe it's, it's just a story that you know was told during this time of year. And that's all it, it's all it really has been to you. It's just a story. A story about this guy by the name of Jesus who's born and all the, the ebbs and flows that, that came with that. And, and maybe you're here today and you're a follower of Jesus. You've been following Jesus for some time. And for you, you've probably heard this story quite a bit probably read through it quite a bit. You've probably heard it preached on quite a bit. In fact, the fact that I'm preaching on this today, you're thinking, I already know where he's going. You just are so familiar with the story. Now, it's, 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 uh, it's really good to be familiar with the story, but we have to be careful that our familiarity doesn't diminish the value, doesn't diminish um, our interest, which it has the potential to do. You see, I, I believe that the Christmas story is more like a beautiful mind. It's a story that we have to go back and watch a second time and watch a third time and look at it again and look at it again and look at it again over and over and over. And I think the, it can become really difficult because the more familiar that it is, again, familiarity can breed contempt, which means the more familiar it is, the more diminished it can become in our hearts and in our minds. And what was once valuable kind of diminishes to being a little bit worthless. And I think, I think we see this found in Mark chapter 6 really well. Let me show you this passage. Jesus is in his hometown. He's doing a couple of miracles. He's preaching, doing his thing. And it says, where did he get all of this wisdom and the power to perform such miracles? So everybody's looking at Jesus in his hometown like, what in the world? How's he doing this? Where'd that wisdom come from? Where'd that power come from? But then they switch real quick. It says, then they scoff. Wait a minute. This is the carpenter. Like we, we know this guy. We know this kid. He's the son of Mary and the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon. And his sisters live right here among us. 
They had such a hard time making the jump because of their familiarity with Jesus that maybe there was more to him than they realized. They thought they had him all figured out, and as a result, they refused to take a second look. And so, so as we dive into this series, one of the things that I'm really excited about is we're going to look at people that really encountered the Christmas story for the first time, um, that, that they were live on the scene. And I believe that God is going to unveil some truths for us, some practical truths, some, some deeper realities and understanding of his love, of his grace, of his power. And I'm, I'm hoping that God would, would shed a, a brand new light in our hearts in regard to the story. But before we dive into the, the, the first candidate um, that we're going to look at today that's going to really help us, I, I want to look at some of the, the complications of Christmas. Because Christmas can be complicated. <laughs> How many of you guys have family coming over? Hello. It can be complicated. Um, but the first Christmas was also a little bit complicated, and there were some things in the first Christmas that would cause us to ask some questions. There were some things happening that if we were writing the story, we probably wouldn't have written it like that. And, and these questions cause us to wonder, God, what in the world were you doing? How in the world, why did it work out like this? Come on, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, questions like, how come Jesus did not get a hotel room? Like the Son of God. All you Bible scholars are like, well, I can tell you why, right? But just think about that for a minute. If you're writing this narrative. Why didn't he get a hotel room? Like, did God, was he lacking connections? Someone forgets to call Expedia. Like, what, what, what was the problem? You know, things like, like the manger. Son of God to be laid in a manger. Why in the world would God do that? Or, or what, what about this? Why in the world would God reveal the, the first revelation of the birth of his son to shepherds who were really of low class during that time, really had no influence opposed to the prominent and the prestigious, the ones who, who really could have taken that, that, that announcement and blasted it to the world. Like, God, why wouldn't you have written a story like that? And I think this is really important because for you and I, we find ourselves in moments, maybe you guys have found yourself in a moment, you're in a moment now, or can I tell you, you will find yourself in moments like this, where you're wondering, God, what in the world are you doing? Like, what are you doing in the midst of my story, in the midst of the narrative that you're writing with my life? Like, how is all of this piecing together? I'm just not quite sure if I grasp it. I'm just not quite sure if I understand it. I, I, mean, I mean, really think about this. If, if you were to, to wipe the slate clean in your mind and you were given the task of writing the Christmas story, there's no way that we would have written it like this. Like we wouldn't have sat around having a strategic meeting saying, okay, I got it. So he's going to make his entrance through an unwedded 14-year-old girl. Um, she's going to get pregnant um, and she's going to get pregnant out of wedlock and it's going to cause a lot of... A lot of chaos and catastrophe. That's a perfect way for the Son of God to come in to the world. Like, we wouldn't have done that. We wouldn't have sat around and said, hey, I got it. And then Joseph, he's going to get really upset because Mary comes to him and says, hey, I'm pregnant. Like, God did it. What? And Joseph wants to leave. 
and we kind of, you know, create some drama there. We just probably, maybe, maybe, maybe on television we'd write something like that, but not when it comes to the Son of God, like the entrance of, of God coming into the world. What about the manger? This is perfect. We'll have the Son of God born around filthy, diseased animals that are surrounding him. That is a perfect, perfect way to write the story. See, the truth is we would never write the story like that. We would never write the story like that because you and I don't want our stories written like that. I I mean, really think about that for a moment. We don't want our stories full of challenges and difficulties and messes and all that craziness. We want our stories full of connections and good endings, good outcomes, great circumstances. In fact, some of us today, we feel the gravity of this. See, some of us today, if we were writing our, our, our own story, it would look completely different. And some of us may even be discouraged and disappointed at, at the way that God is writing our narrative. Like, like really think about it. If you were writing your own story, singles, you might have been married by now. Some of you that want that, right? You would have said, man, if I was writing my own story, I would have been married by now. Right? Some of you married couples would say, man, if I was writing my own story, I would have went back. I would have never done that. Just kidding. Come on. It's It's early. We can have fun in church, right? (laughs) Tough crowd this morning. Tough crowd. But if we were writing our own narrative, we would would change a lot of things, wouldn't we? I I wouldn't deal with this illness if I was writing my own narrative. I, 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 I I would be financially secure right now if I was writing my own story. I wouldn't have all these issues and hurts, habits, and hang-ups if I was writing my own story. Matter of fact, I think I would have done a little something to my nose or my face if I was writing my own story. Matter of fact, I think I would have changed some of my personality, some of the elements of, of how I interact with people. And I just would have changed a lot about my story. And that's the beauty of this Christmas story. Is that, could you imagine for a moment, do you think that God knew that we would be born into a broken and fractured world. Like God knew that we were going to be born into a world full of challenges, in a world full of difficulty, in a world full of highs and lows, in a, in a world where sickness and disease is real, in a world where broken relationships exist, in a world where, man, we're trying to, to, to figure all this out, in a world where um, apart from him, uh, there really is no hope. He knew that we were going to live in a world like this. And so could you imagine for a moment that God knowing that we were going to live in a world like this said, I got to make this, I got to paint a picture for everybody with the very first Christmas story. You thought you knew, but God is saying, let me show you, let me show it to you in a brand new light. That all of these difficulties, all these hurts, all these habits, all these different things that you find in our lives and all of the challenges that you see in the very Christmas, in the, in the first Christmas story points to this great reality that no matter how difficult, no matter how challenging, no matter how messy it is, God still writes the best stories. Because we know the end of it, but, but, but these folks didn't. Like we can look at this story and for us it's really easy to, to jump right to the conclusion. We get it. We see the, the whole narrative as a whole. But, but they didn't see that for their life, nor do you see that for your life or for my life. And so we're wondering, God, can I trust you with my story? I love Romans chapter 8, verse 28. It's a very famous passage. It says, and we know, Paul writing to the, to the church of Rome, he says, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. Now, most of the time, this particular passage of Scripture 
is normally quoted like this. Oh, God's going to work it out for good. So just be encouraged. You guys ever been on the other side of that? You're going through a tough time. Somebody says, God's going to work it out for good. Just be encouraged. And you're like, okay. Because you know what? I think a lot of times where the disconnect is, is we're waiting until it's good. And so we feel a disconnect with God because it's not good right now. But you know, the beauty of this passage is not in the result. The beauty of the passage is found in this, these two words right here is that God works. God is at work presently in your circumstance. Like, like you don't have to wait to the end to experience God. You can experience God in the process. You can experience God in the mess. You can experience God working it out. He is at work in your life right now. Somebody better shout amen on that one. Second service. God works it out. For the good. And so, so the, the, the bottom line is this, is at the end of the day, God can be trusted with our story. And so may, maybe that's where you're at today. Maybe you've got some questions. Maybe you're wondering, why is it working out like this? Why is it not working out the way that I thought it would work? Why does my life not look the way I imagined and I think Mary is going to really help us out. She's going to be uh, the young lady that we look at today. And uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus, she's super popular this time of year. She won't be signing autographs today or crying or doing any of that stuff. Um, but, but Mary is, is going to let us into some secrets on how to, how to really deal with difficult circumstances, uncertainty. See, Mary knows how it feels to be blindsided. She knows how it feels to, to deal with fear and confusion and, and really she knows what it feels like to be at the epicenter of uncertainty. And the Christmas story reveals and unpacks to see most of us think the Christmas story was just a silent night, but that wasn't reality for the first Christmas. It wasn't just a silent night. It was so many things happening, so many things going on, so many things stirring in the midst of this woman. But let's, let's look at Mary. She, Mary does, does something that... I believe that God wants us to all lean into today. This is a very simple message today. I'm, I'm not trying to bend your mind. I'm not trying to, you know, come with persuasion or anything like that. I'm just praying that the Spirit of God will reveal a simple phrase to you that I believe can change everything about this Christmas and can change everything about the trajectory of our lives moving forward. So let's look together at Luke chapter 26, or Luke chapter 1, verse 26, and it says this. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, the town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man by the name of Joseph. Everybody say Joseph. Joseph. A descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Everybody say Mary. Mary. Continue. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. How many of you guys know that would be an awesome moment, right? How many of you guys had an angel appear to you recently and say, Greetings. You have found favor with God. Anybody? The Lord is with you. And look what Mary says. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. You know, I think in this ancient culture, one of the things that they get a bad rap for was that they weren't intelligent. A lot of times we think that, you know, because maybe they weren't as advanced in thought or thinking or technology, that they were just kind of accepted things as they came. But that, that couldn't be further from the truth. In fact, this word uh, wondered, it, it comes from where we get the word to critically think. So Mary at this moment, 
uh, she's critically thinking about what the angel's saying. She's wondering, man, what in the world could this mean? What? And she is, her mind is going. She's thinking through all the implications. What she's really doing is she's listening intently. Mary's listening to what the angel is saying. I, I mean, it's, really, it's probably a little bit hard not to. You know, you have an angel, um, the presence of God, you know, shows up. You probably want to listen and think a little bit critically about that. Ooh, you'll get it in the car. And so, and so she's thinking critically, what type of greeting could this potentially be? Now, there were three birth announcements, big ones in the Bible. You have Abraham and Sarah in the Old Testament. You have uh, Zachariah and Elizabeth, which is Mary's cousin. And then you have Mary. The first two are, are met with skepticism, but, but Mary responds in an interesting way. And so let's continue in the text. She says this. Uh, the, I'm sorry, the angel says, Don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. Continue. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Now lean into this. Look what Mary does. She says, how will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. In the original text, she said, because I have known no man. How can this be? Now, now this is really interesting with Mary because Mary is obviously a great leader because great leaders ask great questions. And Mary was, was trying to figure out the difference between Mary and some of the other uh, skeptical, um, uh, skeptical people when it came to God actually doing something incredible um, in their life. Mary was not asking with an unbelieving heart. Mary is assuming it's going to happen, and she's trying to figure out how. How is this going to work? She, remember, she's listening intently. And now she's thinking critically, how is this going to work? What we see Mary doing here is she's being honest with her doubts. And I think that that's so huge is that when we find ourselves in times of uncertainty, we want to listen intently and critically to what God is saying. We want to engage our mind in what God is speaking. But then we also have to feel comfortable being honest with our doubts. And she's trying to figure it out. She's not doubting as a means to not trusting God. She's, she is doubting in a means of trying to understand the truth. Like, what is this, what is this going to mean? How is this going to work? Should I, like, call Joseph? Do we need to, like, get things going quicker? Like, how is this going to play out, right? And so, and so Mary's wrestling through this, and I'm so grateful for just this one question. Because Mary was honest with her doubts, we get to experience God and, and, and understand him in a way uh, that you're going to see in just a moment that otherwise we would have we not known. But here she finds herself in a moment of uncertainty. And she's not only listening critically, but she's being honest with her doubts. She's being honest with her concerns. Now, some of you guys may have remembered this, but a couple years ago, uh, I, I, I went to purchase a vehicle that I found on Craigslist. Rough. And at this time, the goal was I want to get an older car. We, don't want to, we didn't want a car payment. I'm going to get an older vehicle but ha that has low mileage. So I sold my current vehicle, took the rest of the amount of savings that we had in our account, and it was, it was a total of $11,000. And so, you know, I, I, I'm pretty street savvy. I'm pretty smart when it comes to, to those things. So I thought I'm going to be just fine. So went out to San Jose, 
Looked at the car, it was immaculate. It was perfect. Looked at the mileage, it was clean inside. It had leather, a couple bells and whistles that I didn't know it had, so I was excited about that. And, uh, and so the guy, he was, he was really excited. He was really excited. Matter of fact, he, wanted, he was so excited, he wanted to hurry up. So I kind of had a little bit of reservation, but I thought, no, I'm a pastor. I'm going to believe the best. I'm going to believe the best. I'm not, I'm not in the street anymore. I'm going to believe the best about you, man, right? Yeah, went against my better judgment. And so long story short, he takes my money. I give him 11,000 cash. Do you know how that feels to give that away? Maybe it's not a lot of money for you, but for me it was our life. Gave it to him, and he got out of the car. So I said, let me just look at the paperwork again. Should have done this on the front end, but ended up doing it on the back end. And so I looked at the paperwork, and I realized that something wasn't lining up from the pink slip and the registration. He told me it was a 2007. The registration said it was a 2005. I said, okay, well, you know, maybe he got mixed up on, on the ad, or that could have been my fault. And, but I looked at the odometer, and it said 56,000 miles or something like that. So still low mileage. And so I thought, okay, not, not a big deal. But then I looked at the pink slip, and, and I found some erase marks. And I was like, instantly, I was like, no, he didn't. No, he didn't. Right, this is where the fruit as a pastor wants to come off the tree. You know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. This is where you want to shake that. That tree gets shaken. And it's like, oh, there goes, the, there goes joy. There goes peace. There goes, right? And all of a sudden this new tree resurrects. But, but, but I was devastated. I looked, and what, what he had done is it was an older car, really had 176,000 miles on it. And it was worth nothing. And he took my money. He had a throwaway phone. Obviously, I tried to call him. I don't know why I tried to call him back. But I tried to call him. He didn't answer. And then Mary, in her condition, was thinking, how in the world am I going to explain this to Joseph? And I'm thinking, how in the world am I going to explain this to Jackie? (laughs) And so I just feel, at the core of my being, I just feel this gap, this gaping hole. Like, no. What are we going to do? Now, I know Romans 8.28. I've preached on it a ton of times. And you know that that's going through my mind. God's going to work this out. But I know, God, you're going to work it out. But I'm just uncertain in how it's going to work. Like I'm confident you're going to do something. I'm just not sure how it's going to play out. And so, so I'm so grateful, so grateful that Mary, she asked the question, that's led us to, to one of the greatest truths and one of the greatest realities about God. And so the, the angel continues to this question, and look what he says. He says, the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby, so the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more is that your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son And now she's in her sixth month. It's almost as if the angel is is trying to build her faith a little bit. Saying, hey, Mary, yeah, I know what I'm telling you seems insurmountable. But let me tell you, let me tell you how God works. You remember all those people that talked about Elizabeth? Remember all those people that kind of shunned her and looked like something was wrong with her because she was barren? Remember that? People used to say that she was barren. I felt the Lord wanted me to lean in to this just a little bit. Who's been telling you that you're barren? What area of your life have people been telling you that you're barren? Where have you not believed 
or you have been discouraged and distracted because people have said you're barren. What area of your life seems so dry that there's no possibility or opportunity for fruit to be produced? Like, like what place of your life feels so, so much like a desert that, that the idea of a reservoir seems completely impossible? Like, who's told you? What lie have you believed that you're barren? And I believe that's a question that the Lord wants us to ask today. What lie have you believed that you're barren? Listen. God is, is so faithful. Maybe you're here today and, and you've been struggling to have, have, a, have, have a child. Listen, I want to encourage you today. Nothing's wrong with you. Man, God sees you. God knows you. God loves you. But I'm going to tell you, listen, no matter what people have spoken, no matter what people have said, no matter what the struggle has been, God will bring life. It may not be the story we wanted to write, but he will bring life out of death. He will bring, he will bring a well from a place of dryness, and he will bring, are you guys tracking with me? He will bring fruit in places that were barren. But a lot of times we just stop because people have said that it's not going to work. And so the angel is setting all this up to say, hey, Mary, I know you've never been with a man, and I know you're trying to figure this out, but because Mary was honest with her doubts, we get probably one of the greatest passages, encouraging passages of all time. As the angel declares, let me show you what he says. He continues on and he says, for nothing is impossible with God. They used to say she was barren. Not anymore. Six months. Everybody said it wasn't going to work. Not anymore. Six months. Come on, are you hearing me today? What area have you given up on? What area is so impossible that you've just settled with that? And maybe you've lost faith and have lost heart. Now, now can I just tell you, just because we have faith and believe God doesn't mean the story is going to be written the way we want it to be written. But can I tell you that even if the story isn't written the way that we want it to be written, if God is writing that story, even in the midst of barrenness, there will be total life. And abundance. Are you guys tracking with that? Please lean into that. So nothing is impossible with God. So everybody told me, Craigslist, barren. <laughs> Bank account, barren. And I amend them. I did. You're right. I know. I'm never going to get my money back. It's Craigslist. This guy is gone. He does not want to give back $11,000. He is gone. So to deal with my issues, I, uh, I ended up looking at the car as I walked outside. And I said, I, I just can't look at this car anymore. It reminds me I got robbed. It reminds me of my barrenness. So let's go trade it in. We'll have a car payment. I just need to get this car out of my driveway. So I go to the Honda dealership, and, uh, and my buddy ends up working there. And so we're looking at cars. I'm explaining to him the story. So he's going to trade it in. And he says, hey, man, uh, we used to have this car. Yeah, we, we sold it six weeks ago to an auction. And so, so he said, but I know the guy at the auction. And I said, so can you call him? <laughs> right, so I get a glimmer of hope. And I'm excited. Long story short, this guy at the auction goes to Three Crosses in Castro Valley. He finds out I'm a pastor. Everything works out. He says, he does a little bit of investigation. He says, I know exactly who this guy is. 
He said, matter of fact, he's running a huge operation shipping from the U.S. to Mexico. He's not supposed to do that. So he doesn't want to lose his business, but it's one of his, his drones that sets you up. It's one of his guys. The plot thickens, ladies and gentlemen. This is real stuff. This is real life. You thought, you thought a pastor's life was easy. It gets real thick sometimes. And so, and so, I, I, so I call him and... Long story short, this guy does not want to mess up the business. And he's really upset at his guy for doing to me what he did because he's putting the whole operation at stake. So he said, tell him to meet me. I'm like, I called my brother. Bro, you coming with me. I'm not going by myself. This is next level stuff. So we go and meet him in a Safeway parking lot. He shows up, not 11000 but he, but he gives me an extra $100. And he says, man, I am so sorry. I had no idea this was happening. I cannot believe that. You know, because the guy said, I'm not going to sell you any more cars. And he had a great thing going. And so long story short, people used to say I was barren. But they no longer say I was barren because God is able to do the impossible. I'm telling you, I did not have that kind of faith, ladies and gentlemen. I thought barrenness was the end. I never would have imagined that. But it did something to me. It did something to me because there, there was an event that happened on the way to the dealership, and it's an event that I learned from Mary. As Mary, she listened critically. She thought through everything that was happening. She was honest with her doubts. Most of us are good with those first two. But it's the going all in that we struggle with. You, you see, I, I think when it comes to following Jesus, we're really good, really good um, at negotiating the cost. We just don't like to count the cost. So, so let, let, me, let me say it this way. Uh, we like to, to ask the Lord, what do we need to give up? Like if I'm going to follow you, what do I need to let go of? Okay, cool, I can let go of that, I can let go of that. But what we don't want to do is to give up our right to decide what those things are. And so Mary, she's still, I mean, in the midst of her complexity, this was Mary's life. This was Mary's world. She's trying to, to figure all of this out. But she goes from thinking critically to being honest with her doubts to going all in. And look at Mary's response. She goes all in and she prays a prayer that I believe has the potential to change everything about this Christmas for us. It's so simple. I thought, Lord, man, this thing is so simple this week. But yet it's so tough. And Mary said, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. It was like, he, it was like the angel was almost like, you got it, girl. I'm out of here. <laughs> you got it. I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. What Mary said is, guys, I'm all in. You know, this wasn't a silent night for Mary. Mary's trying to figure out life. She's trying to figure out what God is doing, what God is speaking. She's trying to figure out her story. She's trying to figure out the narrative that God is, is crafting for her. And so I just have a question for you. And the question is this. How do you respond, if you're taking notes, you can jot this down, to uncertainty? Like, how do you respond to that? Do you respond with, 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 with great faith? Do you respond with confusion? Do you respond, how do you respond to uncertainty. Mary's life was full of this. I mean, think about it. I mean, not only just the birth of Jesus, imagine a mom walking, 
and doing life with the Son of God who's constantly facing hostility, persecution, and it would eventually face the cross. Imagine like the first 30 years, it just seemed like, man, maybe this is just going to work. Like, we're just going to go on and, okay, like you're the Son of God, but maybe it's going to work a little bit different than all of a sudden when Jesus started his ministry, it got plot thickened. And it got intense, and now she's watching her son be brutalized. She's trying to comprehend. She's trying to figure all this out. And what Mary was really good at is she was good at pondering. She was good at remembering. And she would go back and remember what God had spoken to her. Sometimes that's the only way that we're going to be able to get through. We just have to go back and remember what God has spoken. So let me give you a few things that God has spoken over us today. So let me show you this list. It's small, but I'm going to read it to you. We need to remember, ladies and gentlemen, listen, as a follower of Jesus, that I am a child of God. Like you need to get up and remind yourself that every day, that, that you are God's workmanship, that you are totally and completely forgiven, that in Christ you are a whole new person with a whole new life, that you are a friend of God, a friend of Jesus, that I am, uh, that I am a place where God's spirit lives. If God's spirit lives on the inside of you, what impossibility he goes on to say, I am a place, I'm a place where God's spirit lives. I am a citizen of heaven. I am greatly loved. Somebody just needs to hear that today. And so listen, a lot of times when we hear the story through a silent night and it just kind of sets the backdrop for all of our festivities, it, it becomes so disconnected from reality, doesn't it? But when we go back and we realize this was a 14-year-old girl trying to wrestle through life, but had the courage to think critically, to be honest with her doubts, and surrender everything she is to God and to yield her life to what he says. All of a sudden it gets a lot more personal in that moment. So listen, I know that there are people in here, you're struggling with your narrative. And you're just thinking, man, God, if I think you messed up on my story. God's like, no. God, I just feel so barren. God said, no. God, I just don't know if, if, if I can make it. I just feel like it should be different. And, and God said, trust me. See, if you're taking notes, it's the last thing I want to leave with you. So how does this work on Monday? Well, this is how it works. When you can't see what God is doing. You have to remember what God has spoken. You just have to, you, you have to go back and think critically. You have to go back and be honest. And then you have to yield your life to what God is saying. And in that moment, just like Mary, God is able to birth something in a place that's barren. God is able to produce something on the inside of us that, that may have otherwise been impossible. We serve a God of the impossible. Listen, I know it always doesn't work out the way that we think, but if he's writing the story, it doesn't matter. Because as long as we have him, we're winning. As long as we have him, we're going to make it. The, 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 the story, listen, it's going to work out for his glory and for our good. That is the truth of the gospel. And if you can grasp this today, this simple truth, and just come like Mary and pray that prayer and just say, Lord, here I am, your servant. Be unto me according to everything that you've spoken. I'm all in, God. I'm giving up my rights, and I'm all in. 
God said, it's, it's in that place that I can birth something that you nor anybody else ever thought possible. We trust him today. We trust him today.